All right. Good morning again, everybody. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, and we will be examining verse 8. So Matthew 5, verse 8. We are continuing this series called Blessed or Blessed, however you want to say it. doesn't matter. Um, but we're learning what Jesus teaches makes up a blessed life. What do, ha- what do blessed people do? What, what, what do they think? And Jesus teaches what makes up a blessed life, of course, in Matthew chapter 5. And today's truth about what makes up a blessed life really comes down to the title of our message today, and that is singular focus. Singular focus. If you and I want a blessed life, we need to understand what that means. And to begin to unpack that, I think the most obvious place to start with is what is the opposite of that? A broad focus. Having this wide, multiple array of directions of where our attention, our direction is going. If you want not to live a blessed life, then have a broad focus. I was thinking about my my iPhone. How many of you have an iPhone? Okay, how many of you have an Android? Okay, yeah, we got division in here. All right. If you have an Android, I really don't know how to speak to you, though, okay? Because I got an iPhone, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, it's something I've noticed just this year. Some of you are going to be like, you just noticed this? But something I've noticed just this year is that there's a good tip in preserving the battery, helping your iPhone work better, and that is by cleaning out the multiple apps that are running in the background. Apparently, you know, when, if I open an app in, in an iPhone, Um, and I don't close it out completely, the iPhone keeps it awake and running in the background so that when I go back to the app, I I really pick it up where I left off. But those multiple apps running actually drain the battery. It actually doesn't preserve the battery life. It doesn't operate as efficiently as it could. So I need to clean out those multiple apps. And so to do that, I got my iPhone with me. Please don't call me right now. If you do, I'll call you out. Okay, I will. (laughs) I will say, so-and-so is calling me, right? Come on. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, to clean, <laughs> to clean that out, what I do is I unlock my iPhone, and then I just take my finger and just kind of, someone's calling me. Thank you, Kelsey. I'll, I'll call you out. Kelsey, <laughs> Kelsey is calling me right now. She's, what a mess. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> it just threw me off. Uh, to, to clean that out, you, yeah, you just, uh, I take my finger and just swipe up like this, and then all the apps that I have running in the background, they appear. And I have multiple apps running. I mean, like 10 apps running right now. And so I just swipe up on each app and clean those out. And now, let me finish this. And now all those apps are cleaned out. And now my iPhone should operate better. The, the, I'm preserving battery life. I cleaned out those multiple apps. Now you might be thinking, what in the world does that have to do with the blessed life? What in the world does that have to do with Matthew 5, 8? And I want to tell you everything. You really want to live out a blessed life? You you really want to operate better? Then maybe you should take a look at your system and clean out those multiple apps you got running in your heart. Those multiple devotions and pursuits and loyalties that are not of Jesus Christ. You want to live out a better life. I promise you. I promise you. If you get it down to one app running, one singular focus running in your life where you're just oriented in his direction, you will live out a blessed life. This is what Jesus teaches in Matthew 5, 8. Let's say it together. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's say it one more time together. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We, as we've covered multiple times in the series are already, blessed means happiness. It means fortunate are you. You are to be congratulated. You're a blessed person. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. To me, heart means the core of who you are, your essence. If we say, well, the heart of the problem is, what do we mean? We mean the essence of the problem, the, the core of the problem. Your heart is your inner person, your spirit, your, your mind, your soul, your will. It's your, it's your inner being. And, and Jesus teaches, yeah, blessed are those who are clean, who are pure on the inside, not the outside. And Jesus was teaching that in a context where everybody was like, no, no, it, it, it's all about the appearance on the outside. Let, let's make sure we do our ceremonial washing. Let's make sure we, the pots and pans are clean. Let's make sure that people see that I am tithing and, and that I tie to the last seed or something like that. Let me, let me make sure people hear me chant my ritualistic prayers. Let me put the fancy robes on. Let me make sure everyone sees that I am clean on the outside. And Jesus is teaching, no, that's not where I'm looking for purity. I'm looking for purity on the inside. And that's a real issue, isn't it? Here's what Jeremiah wrote about the heart in the Old Testament. The heart is deceitful above all things. That's not good. And beyond cure. It's like Jeremiah throws his hands up. Who can even understand it? In other words, the last thing that describes the heart is pure. And Jesus says, that's where I want purity at. So I guess we better unpack it some more then. What in the world does pure in heart mean? What, is, what does the word pure even mean? And the most simple definition I've ever seen of pure is this. That pure means unmixed. If you have a bottle of honey, it probably says pure honey. Why? Because that's the only thing in the bottle. It's not mixed with other ingredients. So in the bottle, there's a singleness of ingredients. If you're a dog lover and you go buy a puppy, you might ask the question, well, is this a purebred or is this a mixed breed? What do you mean by asking if it's a purebred? You want to know if the parents and the ancestors are all of one breed. There's a singleness of breed. There's not a mixed breed, but a singleness of breed. Do you see what Jesus is teaching here? Jesus is saying, blessed are those who have this singleness on the inside. Blessed are those who are not mixed with, with other, you know, they're, they're, they're not mixed with other loyalties and pursuits and devotions and all these things. Their, their hearts are not divided in multiple directions of where their focus is. Blessed are those who are unmixed and have this singular devotion to him. And it fits the context because later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus would say this. No one can serve two masters. You can't have two loves, two pursuits. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't have this duplicity on the inside. The Old Testament kind of says the same thing. Look what King David writes in Psalm 24, 4. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and what? Pure heart who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. In other words, in the Old Testament, the idea of a pure heart is your heart's not beating for something else. 
That, that's an idol. When your heart's pounding for something else besides him, that's an idol. Bless, a, a pure heart's one that's cast away the idols and is oriented towards him. Now, can I be honest with you? Thank you. <laughs> right now, my own preaching is ticking me off. I'm not very encouraged yet. Are you encouraged yet? See, okay, hang on. <laughs> Here's why I'm not encouraged yet. Because if I'm honest with you, and I think about just on the inside of me, I feel like, yeah, I love Jesus and pursuing him, but sometimes I'm, I'm consumed by other things of this world. I was just thinking the other day, a few weeks ago, um, I've done this a hundred times. A hundred times. I know what to do. I back, out, I back out of my garage all the time. And, and I know that when I back out of my garage, that my son parks his car in the driveway. And he gives me plenty of room to back out. And I've done it a hundred times. But on this one particular morning, I was so consumed on the inside by a money situation I just got in the car and I just ran right back into him. Damaged his car, my car. Doesn't that kind of stuff happen when you're consumed on the inside? But it doesn't have to be money. It could be greed. I mean, it could be, it could be fear. It could be a hurt. Bitterness, resentment just consumed on the inside. I think about my inside. That's, that's where motives come from, why I do what I do. I, I remember not too long ago, someone was praying, Josh, would you just pray for God to, to heal me of this? And I said, sure. And I prayed for that person. And God was doing some major things in this person's life. And, and, and that person started telling everybody about the, the healing that was taking place. And while I was hearing him telling, I was going to say, well, why don't you say Josh prayed for you? I mean, I'm, I, th I thought, I'm just telling you. Is there such thing as an impure motive? Yes. I, 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 th I just think about on the inside, my thought life. Uh, Sometimes my thought life appalls me. It does. Like, because mixed in there is like anger and all these other things sometimes, maybe bitterness. It's like there's these impurities on the inside. And sure, I could be dishonest with you and say, guys, you know what? I don't struggle with any impurity on the inside. Now you go do the same. That's called self-righteous preaching right there. Now, if I'm honest with you, yeah, yeah, I, sometimes I feel like I love Jesus, but I'm pursuing other things. And sometimes temptations come my way, and, and I do want to act out. I do. Just being honest. Sometimes, you know, I, I, just, I just look at this and I go, my goodness. The words that come from the inside to the outside, I just want to capture them back and put them back on the inside. There's impurities there. A struggle. All that to say is, blessed are the pure in heart. I can't do it. And that's the point. I can't do it. And neither can you. You got to understand, there's an operating principle in God's kingdom. You got, you got to get this down, okay? There's an operating principle in God's kingdom that whenever you live under the burden, well, it's up to me, then you can forget about a blessed life. The very first beatitude, Jesus says, blessed are those who know they are spiritually poor. 
In other words, blessed are those who know I can't do this unless a higher power, the higher power, comes into my life and intervenes in my life. I can't do this without him. Blessed are the pure in heart. You're not going to wake up, grit your teeth, and by willpower gain a pure heart. You can't do it. And that's the point because the only way you're going to get a pure heart is surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That's the only way you're going to get a pure heart. He is the fulfillment of a pure heart. This is what God even told us, or Ezekiel wrote. This is what God said to his people in the Old Testament. Watch this. God says, I will give you a new heart. (laughs) You are not going to give you a new heart. No one's going to give you a new heart but God. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament about it. He says, anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus has become a new person. The old is gone and the new is here. The new is here because he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. He took our unrighteousness and gave us his righteousness, making us new. He's the fulfillment of a pure heart. And if you know him, this is the key. If you belong to him, you know him, you've asked him to be your Lord and Savior, blessed are you because he's the one that purifies your heart. But now we have a role to play. If you belong to Jesus, you're to cooperate and participate in this new life, demonstrating a new heart that that feeds into that new Life. You are to cooperate, and by cooperate, I mean you just kind of you, you you make it your singular focus in this life. That I just want to know Him more and more, and learn from Him more and more, and apply what I'm learning from Him more and more into my life. That's just your singular focus. I just want to I want to know Him. That's how you cooperate, and you do that by an individual time of worship, of knowing Him and learning from Him and applying for Him. But not just individual, but a corporate time as well of knowing Him and learning from Him and applying what you're learning. And, and, and when you get off track, and we all do, praise God, he did not say, blessed are the perfect in heart. He said, pure in heart. And we're, it is a process that we grow in this thing, right? And so when I get off track, I just get right back into knowing him. Because you've got to understand this, the basis of a pure heart, the basis for a pure heart is contingent on who you know. It's not contingent on you how much you have and don't have or who you are or what you've done and haven't done. No, the, the basis for a pure heart is contingent on who you know. And so when I get off track, I just go right back to individually and corporately knowing him. No more hiding, no more running, no more trying to escape, no more living in shame. Because if I live in shame and I'm not plugging right back into an individual and corporate time, you, must, you know what that means? That must mean that I think that a, a pure heart is based on what I do. If I truly believe that a pure heart is based on who he is and what he has done, then I just run right back to him no matter what I've done. And I'll never, and you never, let another failure keep you from running right to him and knowing him more and more. Never again let another failure keep you from that. If you really believe that the basis of a pure heart is on him, on who you know, who you belong to, him, belong to you just keep on running towards him always that's the only direction you should go now speaking of cooperating and participating and letting Jesus lead you in this life I want to bring up a practice that 
that we don't talk about enough. And, and it's the practice of self-examination, self-examination. When you follow Jesus, one of the things he's going to say, okay, this is something I want you to do. I want you to do self-examination in your life. What is self-examination? I think, first of all, it's helpful to know what this isn't. And self-examination is not about, you know, being self-absorbed. It's not about, you know, um, I don't know, giving into negative self-talk, being overcome, you know, with, you know, beating yourself up, things like that. Also, self-examination is not others' examination. Like, I, I tell you what, I've lived most of my Christian life being very, very good at examining what's wrong with everybody else. And until I stopped with that mess and started saying, you know, until I stopped saying, God, okay, I, I'm going to stop praying God change them. God change me. There was relationships in my life that were never, ever going to become unstuck or go forward until I stopped others' examination and started doing self-examination. Now, what is self-examination? Self-examination is that I'm going to be honest with myself about any area of my life before God and others. I'm going to be, I'm just going to do honest evaluation and examination of how my will and my ways are lined up with his will and his ways. That's it. That's it. I'm just going to have this, this, just this posture. I'm not afraid to face the truth about me. That's self-examination. I could give you New Testament scriptures, but I'm going to give you one in the Old Testament. This is what... Uh, Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3, 40, he says, let us examine our ways. Not culture's ways. Not other nations' ways. Not the politicians' ways. Let us examine our ways and test them. Test them to see if they're lining up with God's ways and his will. And test them and let us, here's the direction. This is the orientation I'm going towards. And let us return to the Lord. Jeremiah knew something here. Jeremiah knew that, hey, God's people, if we're going to reset our witness to the nations, if we're going to reset our nation or reset our witness to the culture, we got to get this down. We got to examine our own ways. He knew that the key for revival amongst God's people and so that we could be a light into this world was this right here because they were given over to selfish ways. Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let us examine what's flowing from the inside to the outside. Let us see if it's lining up with God's ways. And this, if it's not, it's okay. Let's return to the Lord. This is so key to living out a blessed life. I was reading an article by a guy named David French. And he's, a, he's the senior editor of a publication called The Dispatch. And I like to read some of their stuff. And David French wrote an article that was, it was, it, it, <laughs> it was very good, and it was about the heart. And he was saying that the real problem with American Christianity in terms of political engagement has nothing to do with our positions, but the real crisis with American Christianity in, in terms of politically engaging with our culture, the crisis is the heart. It's the heart. What he's saying is that what is being... What is spewing out from the inside to the outside looks dirty. It, it doesn't look pure. It doesn't look, it doesn't look, you know, clean or something like that. And the whole article was really based or motivated by a tragedy that happened. You've all heard of this tragedy. It's been all over the national news. But you probably heard of Helena Hutchins. She's a cinematographer that was tragically and accidentally killed on a movie set 
by a prop firearm that was shot by Alec Baldwin. You probably all heard of that, of that tragic accident. Well, what happened was that there, there was a so-called Christian politician who made a call out for Twitter to reinstate former President Donald Trump to Twitter because we, quote, we need Alec Baldwin tweets. Which meant this, which meant what we need is for Donald Trump to get on Twitter and publicly shame and mock Alec Baldwin. My heart broke when I read this because how would you like to accidentally kill someone and that's the Christian response? How would you like that? And not, into, not even get into others' examination. I don't want to fall into that. I'm no better than anyone else. The reason I bring up the article is this. It's because in it were some terms that we need to understand. We need to understand this. You want to reset our witness. You want to live a blessed life. We need to start understanding some terms. The first two terms are this. Orthodoxy. And orthopraxy. Both of these terms right here are very valuable. They're good. But by themselves, they're very insufficient. Here's what I mean. Orthodoxy. No, go back. Go, go, go back to the other, please. Orthodoxy. What does it mean? It means right belief. Right belief. The problem with it, that just standing by itself, is that the brother of Jesus Christ, James, wrote in James 2.19, we're not going to go there, but James 2.19, hey, you believe God is one? You have right belief? Good for you. Even the demons have the right belief, and they're evil, they shudder. So orthodoxy can't stand on its own. Okay, well, let's move to orthopraxy, right practice. Let me ask you a question. Can you be someone that does great religious things and, and you give to the poor and, you know, you do a lot of good works, but yet you're still a moron? Is that possible? Of course it is. I think about the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. He basically says, hey, you, pro you, you speak in tongues, you, 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 you uh, give to the poor, you prophesy, yet what's not spewing out from the inside to the outside, it's not love. Paul says you're nothing. You're nothing. Jesus Christ, even in the Sermon on the Mount, I'm not going to go there either, but even in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, verses 22 and 23, says when he comes back, there are going to be people going, Lord, Lord, which means right belief. That's right, he's Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name, perform many miracles, right practice? They had right belief and right practice, and Jesus Christ is going to look at them and go, I never knew you. I never knew you. Wow. So there's got to be something else that feeds into this. There's got to be something else that has to be more foundational, that's, that's more important than this. And there is. There's a third term, and here's the third term. Orthocardia. The right heart. In other words, you pay attention more here than you do here and here. You pay attention to what's flowing from the inside to the outside. 
And when it's flowing from the inside to the outside of Jesus' thing, what you need to pay attention to is, is it lining up with God's will and God's ways? And if it's not, you return to the Lord. That's the only direction you should go. That's the singleness of direction that you should go. That's what you pay attention to. Something that we have, it's just a tool that we use here at the church. Is, it says daily inventory notebook. And I think this is a great tool to put in your hand if you're really serious about self-examination. We have them at the exit, so when you leave, they're, they're just right there if you want to pick up one. If you don't want one, just leave it there. But these are great little tools to do some self-examination. I've done this, and maybe you just practice it for seven days. Maybe you practice it for two weeks. But just, if you just get into the practice of self-examination, I'm telling you, it, it will change your relationships. It will humble you and make you more relatable. And so each day, it's just a 30-day challenge. It just, it, they're all the same questions each day. It just has, has you do your own self-examination. What did I do right today? What did I do wrong today? Do I owe anyone an amends? Do I need to offer forgiveness to anyone? If so, how will I do it? What is my next right step to do? Great things to do. And if you just practice it for maybe seven days or 14 days, or if you want to do the full 30 days, it will just help you that when you start you know, examining other people's ways, let me first examine why, my ways. Let me tell you something. You're talking about fitting with the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> Read Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. You really want to get the speck out of someone else's eye? First get the plank out of your own eye. Self-examination. I think it's key right now for the church to reset their witness and have revival in our people so we can be a light to the nations. We need to examine our own ways and return to the Lord. It's part of the blessed life. We really need to be examining what's flowing from the inside to the outside. Well, let's finish this up. Jesus did say, blessed are the pure in heart, but there is a promise here. For they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The first thing I thought of when I saw that, I was like, you know what? I think a lot of people want to see God. I do. I, I think if Jesus Christ made it known, I'm coming back to Jerusalem on such and such date. Do you really think you could find a flight out there? Or a ship out there? You would not even be able to go to Jerusalem because it would be people flocking from all over the world to Jerusalem to see God, just to know that he's real, that he's here. I want to see you, Lord. That's the cry of so many people's hearts. But I think what Jesus is teaching in Matthew 5, 8, why you got to wait till I come back? You can see me now. But you're going to see him when you start cleaning out those multiple apps. Those multiple pursuits and devotions and things like that. The more your heart is free of those things and you know that your direction is towards him, the more you're going to see him. So something I want you to remember is this. Purity leads to clarity. You want to see God? Purity. And where does there need to be purity at? Not on the outside. On the inside. What does your heart pound for? What, is your, what really is your pursuit, your devotion, your loyalty? Are you oriented towards him and him alone, towards his will and his ways? Again, it's not about being perfect. It's about growing in this process, this purity of life, 
heart. Paying attention on the inside, what's flowing to the outside, affecting other people. Pay attention there. And you do that with him as your singular focus, you're going to see him. You're going to see him in the scriptures. You're going to see him in the church. You're going to see him in your parenting. You're going to see him in your marriage. You're going to see him out in nature. You will see him. The more your heart is free of those other things, you will see him. But there's one final thing I I probably should bring up. No, I should bring up. You do know everybody's going to see him, right? Like, it, it, it doesn't matter if your heart is pure or impure. Everybody's going to see him. This is what Revelation says, chapter 1, verse 7. Look, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Everybody's going to see him. The question becomes, how are you going to see him? Are you going to see him as the bridegroom coming back for his church? That's a blessed way to see him. Are you going to see him as a friend, as a friend, as a child? That's a blessed way to see him. I was reading Jewish culture, ancient Jewish culture. The people that got to see the king, the people that got to really behold the king were his friends. Are you going to see him as a friend? Or are you just going to see him as king and judge? Everybody's going to see him that way. King, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow before him. And tongue confess, yeah, he's Lord. Everybody is going to sit, stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone. And those that decided, no, my, help, my heart pounded for something else. No, I, I believe that uh, something else besides God could purify me on the inside. I, I didn't trust him. They're just going to behold him as king and judge. And I, that's not the way I want to see him. I want to see him as friend, as child. I want to see him as the bridegroom coming back to get his bride. How about you? Make him your singular focus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you, Lord, that you're the one that makes our hearts pure. That it's not up to me, it's not up to someone else. It's about belonging to you, knowing you. Lord, may that be the direction that we are oriented towards, that one singular direction towards you. So I pray you bless this time, this response and worship time. If everyone would just keep praying right now, let me just speak for a minute. Just keep praying right now. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I have been pursuing other things. My heart is beating for something else besides Jesus Christ right now. I'm consumed by it. I'm pursuing it. If that's you today, would you just be honest with the Lord right now in your seat? And say, Lord, forgive me. I want to run in your direction. I want you to be the leader of my life. Would you just ask him, Lord, my heart, may it pound for you and you alone. 
we just rededicate or give your life to Christ right now, asking to be your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I've been a Christian a long time and, 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 and I don't see him. I don't see him. Would you just spend time right now just being honest with yourself before you and God in your heart say, God, search me. Am I being consumed by hurt? Am I being consumed by bitterness? Am I being consumed by power, position, status, money, whatever it may be? Lord, what am I consumed by? Lord, I just clear these impurities. I want to see you. I'm telling you guys, I, I've been in church services just like this. God does breakthrough in these moments. If you just be honest with them, let them know what's going on in your heart right now. Ask him, Lord, to remove it. Lord, we give this time to you. And we pray, Lord, you clear out these, impu these impurities and help our focus be on you and you alone, what your will, your ways. Help us to be good at being honest with ourselves, examining our ways and testing them. And, Lord, help us to know that the direction we can always run towards is you. It's the right way. It's the direction we should go because, Lord, the basis of a pure heart is solely on you and not on us. Thank you for that, Lord. So whatever decisions are being made right now, Wherever the cry of people's hearts, we pray, Lord, you bless it. You encounter each person. Do powerful things in Jesus' name.